Game on. Game on. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> like we're 12. Yeah. Drag the podcast back out in the middle of the road. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> Just five more minutes, Mom. Come on. Mom. Mom. Okay. Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists, and this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about stuff that matters to us this week. We're so glad that you're here. And hi, Shannon. Hi. Nice to have you here on the podcast with me. Same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we have announcements? We don't. All so right. why don't you just start us off with how you're feeling today? Thanks for asking. I'd love to. I'm in a good space today. Good. Last few days in general. I feel energized and I feel motivated. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, just... Doing good, doing pretty good. Had an unexpected gift of a little extra time this week. Had to reschedule a work commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was just a little break that I think you and I maybe both needed. Didn't know we needed it. Yeah. But we needed it and it, it felt great. It felt great. Yeah. So I don't know. I've just been taking that energy and just we, we've been doing some projects. Uh, I'll get to that a bit later. Uh, feeling good. How are you feeling? Good. Uh, my two words for the day are relieved uh -huh. and rested. Good. Um, relieved because, man, last week and over the weekend, uh, leading into the weekend, I, it was a really rough week for me, like emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Just briefly. I, you know, I, I touched on it last week during the podcast because I had had a couple of days early last week where I was just feeling a little bit off kilter and I and and, and extra emotional, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have any particular anything to pin it on. Nothing overtly going wrong, right? And and so um, my but theory, you were real down though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. My theory was that it was potentially hormone related. Mm. I am of the age where people uh, who have ovaries can go through something called perimenopause. <laughs> I believe the term you're looking for is of a certain age. Yes, I'm of a certain age. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, it's, I, I have heard that, um, that it's kind of like, uh, that it can be for some people, kind of like going through a second puberty. Like the, the in terms of like the the emotional roller coaster that your hormones can send you on, i.e., just a shit show. Yeah, yeah. And so I I had thought maybe that was what it was. I was feeling a little bit a little bit better on podcast recording day last week, so I'm like, oh great, this wave has has passed me by. No, it had not. The, the, the wave. <laughs> the, there was a second wave that came later that week. It was week like coronavirus just, when we went through the first one. It's like, oh, yeah. that was bad, and then there was Delta. And it was five times yeah, as bad. Yeah, it was really hard. I yeah. just like I felt. Here's the thing. Like I, I really have worked hard at developing tools for handling my life. Mm -hmm. You know, handling the experiences that come my way, the circumstances I find myself in, the feelings I have. Like I, 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 I know exactly what those tools are. I know how to use them. Mm -hmm. And this, and, and yet this felt like, uh, like I was, like my tools were out of reach or they weren't doing me any good. Like I, I felt like there was an alien inside my body mm. who was not familiar with the tools, if that makes sense. It's funny because I've heard, I, I, I've heard people describe perimenopause is being like an alien's taken over your body in oh, some ways no. for both from like physical symptoms and also like emotional symptoms. So yeah, it got really, I got, I had a really hard time last yeah. week and we had somebody here making music with you, which was in it of itself, lovely and great and good. And I'm so stoked about that. But also a stressor. And, well, and but I'm going to say at, during a week when really all I wanted was to lay on my couch yeah. and not talk to anybody, we had a house guest. And the couch is unavailable. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so it was, it was just, it was a confluence of events that made a hard time all the more hard for me. You were such a champ, like mm -hmm. just absolutely exactly what I needed in terms of being steady and supportive and uh -huh. understanding. Um, Thanks. I really appreciate it. So I feel, I feel relieved because over the course of the weekend, things got steadily better for me. Um, and the last couple of days, the first couple of days of this week, I felt really great. Yes, you have, so clearly. I feel relieved that that wave seems to be behind me. Yeah. But man, it's not any kind of a joke. Like it was really hard. I so 
yeah, I don't I don't even know what 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 a takeaway is from it, except for that this is likely to happen from time to time for me in the in these years of my life. And mm-hmm. it just is what it is. So so there you go. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but for now, I'm feeling relieved and I'm feeling Good. rested. I feel like um over the weekend, and particularly the last couple of nights, the first couple of nights of this week. I have slept like an absolute rock. Yeah, me like, too. Just uh, like whatever, all of this, all of this stress of of that of my emotional roller coaster last week, it really wore me out. Yeah, and I think I have really, I, I really feel like I've bounced back from that. So I feel yep. rested and relieved, and yay! So Woo-hoo. thanks for listening. Um, do you have an item for our good news machine today? I have such good news. Oh, I'm so but excited. it's freaking nerdy. Uh, I'm down <laughs> with the nerdy. It's, Let's so do it. It's good news in uh, the antitrust enforcement department. Oh, okay then. It's an important department. Yes. So Anti-monopolies. Uh, hell yeah. So longtime listeners of this podcast will know that I'm a big fan of this antitrust and monopoly expert named Matt Stoller. He has a wonderful newsletter that I subscribe to and read religiously, even though it's always very long and very wonky because <laughs> it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I've really come to believe from a year or so of following his work that... So much of what is wrong with our country rests on monopoly and antitrust. Mm. Like so many of the societal and social problems that we're having in our country stem from lax antitrust and monopoly enforcement. That's so fascinating. And it makes sense. I mean, like that's like a major symptom of the consolidation of power and wealth. Absolutely. Like that's exactly it, right? Yeah. So the good news, so the the container for the good news is that we have a new administration. Obviously under a Republican administration, there's not going to be a lot of antitrust enforcement. Actually, oddly, right now, there is sort of a broad bipartisan consensus that big companies, particularly big tech companies, need to be quote-unquote reined in. Right. Uh, but Republicans coming, have a beef against them because they think they're being censored. That's it, yeah. <laughs> which so the Republican not. point of view on it is horseshit. The Democrat point of view on it is the right one, which is that these companies are wielding unfair and dangerous amounts of power yeah. that are causing turbulence and problems in our society. Yeah. That's the right point of view. Yeah. Uh, there is... Uh, as of the Biden administration, a new FTC chief, her name is Lena Khan, mm-hmm. uh, and a new uh, per- corresponding Federal Trade person. Commission? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, the, it's, the commission, it's the department that's in charge of enforcing uh, monopoly law. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, and then there is Jonathan Cantor, uh, who is the assistant attorney general for the antitrust division. Okay. Right? Okay. And so they're like a power team. Right. They work in different parts of the government. Right. Uh, but they're sort of working together across departments to tackle this problem. Great. Uh, which is really, really, really great. So, you know, obviously the FTC uh, is more like a regulatory side mm-hmm. and they can do enforcement and they can do censures, they can block mergers. They can't do like criminal stuff though, but that's where the attorney general's office yeah. comes in and that's why it's so important that he's getting that's involved. He brings the handcuffs. Yeah, seriously, yeah. So here perp is walk, perp walk. Perp walks. We, we need <laughs> seriously. We need no, perp walks. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, let's yeah. hear the good news and let's, let's so fantasize good, about perp walks <laughs> <laughs> while we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. So the good news is in the realm of price discrimination and pharmaceuticals. Oh, it's and it's great news. So here's the deal. So. Uh, the, the FTC. <laughs> Medications are out of control in our country. First oh, of all, prices, that's one of the deals. That, prices. Yeah, mm-hmm, it's, it's insane. Yeah. So. Uh, the FTC, you know, Lena Khan at the FTC and Jonathan Cantor at the Department of Justice uh-huh. have started to take on uh, what uh, Matt Stoller describes here as a fundamental hidden problem that corrupts most of our markets. Okay. Which is the shift in power away from producers and consumers towards middlemen. Oh, right? there's a big, huge middleman in the pharmaceutical industry, right? Yes, there sure is. Uh, so, uh, in... A, a sort of so at the beginning of her tenure, Lena Khan sort of did this big memo outlining kind of like her strategic direction, uh-huh. right? And in this strategic memo that she sent at the start of her tenure, she highlighted the role of powerful middlemen in the economy. And this is a quote from Lena Khan's okay. uh, sort of strategic memo. She says, "Research documents, research 
documents how gatekeepers and dominant middlemen across the economy have been able to use their critical market position to hike up fees, dictate terms, and protect and extend their own market power. Mm -hmm. Business models that centralize control and profits while outsourcing risk, liability, and costs mm -hmm. also warrant particular scrutiny given that deeply asymmetric relationships between the controlling firm and dependent entities can be ripe for abuse. Mm -hmm. And so to break that down to like English, yes, those, those deeply asymmetric relationships between controlling firms and dependent entities, it's the relationship between drug companies and people who need drugs. Okay. Right? right. The, mm -hmm. people, the drug companies have all the power and the, and, and, and the people setting the prices can just set whatever price they want because if you don't, get the, you don't take the drugs, you will die. Right, right. Like you know if you have a I health mean? need, you don't have a choice in the matter. Like That's it. It's That's either it. suffer and die or so without pay the, up. So without the government getting involved, you see stuff like we've been seeing where the price of insulin has risen like multiple, multiple, multiples of what it should actually cost. Right. Like what is it, 20 times what it should cost? It's, something is ridiculous. Yeah, out of control. Yeah. Uh, so the FTC, so I'm just reading from Matt Stoller's piece at this point. He says, the FTC has followed through on this in two ways. This week, the FTC voted to investigate middlemen in the pharmaceutical industry known as pharmacy benefits managers or PBMs. PBMs are large firms that negotiate rebates and fees with drug manufacturers, create drug formularies and surrounding policies, and reimburse pharmacies for patients' prescriptions. Each significant PBM is part of a major conglomerate like CVS or United Health, and these middlemen are known to be abusive towards independent pharmacies and consumers, determining determining which drugs can be prescribed and what they cost. Right. So these they're just sitting in the middle. They don't add any value to the system at all. No, they're not, not at all. Providing any valuable service. They're not, just not to consumers. Right. They're just sitting in the middle, sucking out money, sucking. Tons of money from consumers, let's be clear, because yes. they jack up the, they're responsible for jacking up the so prices. So they jack up the prices and then they give kickbacks to the pharmaceutical companies to, the, okay. to get them to hire them. Goodness. Which is just fucking corrupt. This is bribery, you know what I mean? my God. And indeed, it says right here, this, the industry is filled with kickbacks and corruption, leading to anger among doctors, patients, and pharmacists. Huh. And consumers. Yeah, Hi. well, that's patients. Yeah. Oh, patients, right, uh -huh. sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. In February, Khan opened up, Lena Khan opened up a comment docket, and 24,000 pharmacists, patients, and doctors poured in their views, angrily discussing the problems with PBMs. Wow. While there is general animosity among the commissioners... Uh, the, while there's generally animosity among the commissioners on the FTC, because mm -hmm. like they have like some Republican appointees, some Democratic yeah. appointees, and they vote on stuff, right? right? Uh, the vote in this case was unanimous wow. to send subpoenas to CVS Caremark, Express Scripts, OptumRx, Humana, Prime Therapeutics, and Med Impact Healthcare Systems. With closely held data finally available to the FTC, such a study will likely end up providing the information to finally break the power of the PBMs. Well, wouldn't that be great? And he says, already drug makers beholden to PBMs are seeing their stocks go up, which shows how PBMs were strangling producers. I don't, that, that, that's the part that I, you don't have to try to explain it to me. I don't understand why drug company stocks would go up if a source of their kickbacks was going away, but whatever. Like I Because I, I kickbacks are one thing, yeah. but imagine if there weren't a middleman and you could just sell stuff directly to the consumers. Right. Yeah, maybe so. You'd still make more money. It's just ridiculous. There's just no there's no good reason this that the middleman exists. No, well, not at thank all. goodness that this administration's doing something it's about wonderful. it. Wonderful. And he continues. It's not just an investigation. Next week, the FTC will vote on whether to address how PBMs drive up the price of insulin. Oh. Any member of the public can sign up to speak for two minutes over Zoom at the FTC meeting where they vote, by mm. the way. Mm. So if someone's listening to this and like you've dealt with insulin or whatever, uh, I'm going to post a link to this article and you can just click on the link and you can sign up to speak. Uh, PBMs do this by forcing insulin producers to give them rebates of up to 70% of the price of the drug in order to allow their brand of insulin to be sold to patients. So this is how the PBMs have gotten like a stranglehold, right? They kind of turned on them because they're like, they're a creation of the drug industry, these mm -hmm. PBMs. Mm -hmm. But like, once they had the power to dictate which drugs get recommended or not mm -hmm. recommended, now they, that's, that's where they start strangling the producers, the drug, right. the drug companies, right? right? Um, 
the FTC could be resurrecting dormant authority to address predatory rebates using an expansive view of its authority to police unfair methods of competition. Do it. Do oh, it. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah, that's great it's news. It's really, really good. You're right. Good that news. was super nerdy, but that's great news. <laughs> and Lunky. I'm really happy to know that bit of news. Yeah. It, it, this is the kind of stuff that matters, right? Like we we get we get caught up a lot. And rightly so, because most of the the broad changes that we can that we want to see made in our society and how our our country is governed is goes through Congress, right? It's yeah. legislation, and it's you know that's that's broadly how you know we get stuff done that we want to see done here, you know. Um, but like this this FTC commissioner was appointed by President Biden when he started his term, yep. and like. This is the kind of behind, more sort of behind the scenesy sort of stuff that most. It's not. It's not going to hit the evening news. It's probably. not sexy. You can't encapsulate it in a two minute story, right? And there's no horse race for the media to to be tracking here, like Democrats versus Republicans. It's not that. Yeah. So, like, you know that 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 element isn't going to get it reported on. You know. So, like, but but it's the kind of stuff that like when you actually elect good people who want to do good things with government for the good of the people of our country. This is what happens. This is what can happen. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great news. It's Thank you. really, really wonderful. I needed that news. And, you know, for uh, I've been having discussions on Facebook about political stuff lately, and there's obviously like a libertarian slash right-winger like uh, anti-bureaucracy sentiment, like the... The, the idea that, like, government is incompetent and can't help you, and it's a deep state, and, you know, all the stupid horse shit. Yeah. But, you know, this is the bureaucracy in action. Right. That When people talk about the bureaucracy, they're just talking about federal agencies, and federal agencies are staffed, generally speaking, with subject matter experts. Right. Very, very, very smart people who work in very specific disciplines at these agencies mm -hmm. and really care about making people's lives better. Well, I I can see where that... that that perspective you're talking about, the government is the problem kind of perspective comes from. First of all, it comes from decades of propaganda. Yep. The Republican Party has been, you know, force feeding its yeah. members and people of the public. They don't want government to work, so they have to say government doesn't work so that they can destroy government. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a negative, it's just a downward spiral, negative, negative feedback loop, sure. you know, because they are working in the interests of the big corporations who would like to see less regulation and who would like to see less government oversight over they what they're doing. They just want to do doing. whatever the hell they want to do. Right. The no rules. And, and, and also, these are the same corporations that are like loading, lining their pockets with political donations. We have a government, we have a, a government, a, a, an elected, the elected officials in our government are often held captive by a corrupt system that we call campaign finance, <laughs> but it's it's just bribes for getting yeah. corporations what they want. Yep. So honestly, if we could if we could do what freaking Elizabeth Warren said in her presidential campaign, mm -hmm. and like the first thing she said she would do if she were elected president was would be to get money out of politics. Mm -hmm. If we could do that, then there literally would be no there would be nothing holding government back from actually doing what the people have elected them to do. Yeah. If we could get money out of politics. But I but I understand when we see how much money influences politics, I can see how the person who's susceptible to the government is but government doesn't work mm -hmm. argument sees how it's just bought and paid for because it is. Yep. You know, like 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 it gives that argument some legs. Sure. But we we could do something about that. We could have it we could be different. We could do it different. We could do. But this is great news. This yeah. is really good news. Yeah, you know, it's a step. It's a really, really good step. And there's going to be more coming, it awesome. sounds like. And I'm super stoked about that. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, well, is that it for the good news machine today? It is. So I also am under the impression that you're going to help us get less dumb. Class, anyone? Anyone? We're about to be less dumb, but maybe more appalled and worried. Oh, geez. So it's sort of a trade-off. Okay. I didn't know whether to put this in this feels important or let's get less dumb. I went for let's get less dumb. Uh, but it really straddles the line. Okay. Um, it's so it's not a fun topic is no, what you're telling it's me. it's terrible. Oh. So there was this article uh, over this last uh, weekend in the Washington Post. Okay. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's really, it's it's hard to summarize, but here's the basic deal. It's sort of a profile, but a long-form profile of this woman in sort of rural Georgia. I believe okay. she's in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district okay. or maybe adjacent to All it. Right. Um, who 
has just kind of, to put it in modern parlance, red-pilled herself. Like, she has just kind of, like, oh. taken the red pill and all of a sudden sees what the world really is. She thinks. Like, but, like really hasn't. But QAnon-style like, yes. kind of stuff? Okay. It's not really QAnon. It's much more, like, election conspiracy kind of stuff, you know? The so election was stolen. Yeah. Um, adjacent. Adjacent. But not QAnon. Okay. Um, none of the child pedophile stuff. Okay. None of that. Um but similar levels of like going down a rabbit hole craziness. Okay. Like literal craziness. Okay. And it was a, it was a very sympathetic but also very worrying profile of someone who's just lost her way mm. intellectually, emotionally, mentally mm. about this stuff. And it just like it felt really important just to like read a little bit of this. Oh, okay. And because it felt to me like it gave me such an insight into the mindset that's happening here with so mm. many of these kind of disaffected people who have taken it upon themselves to 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 try to overthrow the government, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so I'm picking up sort of midway. Uh, part of the article is like she's gotten really, really involved in local politics like and state politics also. I mean, to the point where like candidates for like Senate, like come by and like do do events like at her property. Oh. And so she was building a bigger stage for those. Oh my. Okay. Um, you know, and so I'm starting, I'm just going to read from the article now. Okay. That's, that's sort of setting the scene. All right. She dragged several sheets of plywood to the area in her yard she'd already cleared and began screwing them together, thinking about the question that was always at the bottom of days like this, one she had been wrestling with most of her life. Sometimes I'd like to know what the point is, she said, driving in a screw. The fact that I can't figure it out is what bothers me because I need to understand. It was a question that had troubled her since the first time she'd ever asked him, which was when she was eight years old, sitting in the backseat of her mother's car on the way to religion class. The thought just came into my head, she said. I was thinking, what are we doing this for? What are we doing any of this for if we're just going to die? You die and it's over. So what's the point? I felt afraid, afraid to the point of not wanting to think about that anymore. She had never stopped thinking about it, though, and in some ways, she said, it was the question that had drawn her into the movement for Donald Trump, who was the first politician to give voice to her private thoughts about what America was becoming, which made her feel recognized and even important. She had never voted before, never felt herself mattering as a citizen until Trump came on the scene, along with everything else, the rallies, the social media, and eventually successors such as Marjorie Taylor Greene. They were the ones who introduced her to the version of America she now inhabited. But what was happening, she realized, was that the more she believed in it, the more that all the certainties of the old America were turning into suspicions. She no longer trusted her schooling. She no longer trusted traditional news. She no longer trusted election results. She no longer trusted courts or local government or state government or the U.S. government or any of the institutions of democracy she once took for granted. She was no longer sure America was the country she once thought it was. It's just endless questions, she said. You'd like to have somebody to trust, something to be sure of. But every question led to another suspicion, she said. And every suspicion led to another question. And at times it could all feel so destabilizing that she was no longer sure of her own sense of reality itself, which had so thoroughly broken down that she sometimes had to regain her bearings by doing what she was doing now. She picked up a screw and squeezed it. I know I have this screw in my hand because it's poking my finger and hurts, she said. She pinched the skin on the inside of her forearm. I am really here, she said. She looked at a tree across the yard. I know that's a tree, she said, then stopped herself. Or at least I know that it's called a tree because that's what I was told. But how do I know it's not something else? Sometimes I'm like, what if I'm wrong, she said. It crosses my mind that I ask God, if I'm doing something wrong, please give me the strength to figure it out because I really want to understand what the point is. This can't be what life is, that you get up and go to work and come home. That, as humans, we're nothing. She drove the screw into the plywood. I want people to realize we're significant, she said. Oh my gosh. Isn't that... So many thoughts. I know, I'll well, share some of them. Um, the first thought I had, I have, is that 
so much of what of what you read there it's just a, it's a it's it's describing a member of a cult yeah like she's been so completely subsumed yeah by questions and suspicions and like of course she doesn't have a grasp of reality because the people she's been following need for her to continually be destabilized because that's how they can control her. Right. That's how cults work. Right. Like, so that's, that was striking. Yeah. That was my big takeaway too. Also, I feel deep compassion for her as well Mm -hmm. in, in her sense of longing for an understanding of her own significance. Yeah. Like, I get that. Like, that's, that's that's the human condition, right? Yeah. Like that at some fundamental level, all of us have that moment. Like, what does it all mean? Yeah. You know, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? What are we doing? What does it mean? Yeah. And I don't I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. I I I can say that I relate to that. But it's terrifying to me that, that that vulnerability in her has been so completely, uh, and, 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 and her, by, is, she's a proxy for the millions of other Americans who fall into this category, yeah. but that that vulnerability has been so taken advantage of, of by- Exploited, exploited ruthlessly thank exploited. You, exploited by uh, the MAGA world. Yeah. And the, and the fascists who... And not for her gain, but their own. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Certainly not for her gain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. That's something. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of why I put this in Let's Get Less Dumb, because it really mm-hmm. feels like this is a dynamic that it would behoove all of us to understand. Because, like, in liberal world, you know, in, in left-wing and non-Looney Tunes world, mm-hmm. this isn't something we see. No, not we don't, at all. We don't know people like this. Well, not not like her, but I also see uh, similarities between her and yeah. folks I know who have voted for Trump and who are in that, they're very much politically in that world. They may not be holding rallies for their Republican state senators, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not terribly far off she's she's willing to talk about it openly with a journalist yeah. whereas a lot of folks that that i know don't really want to talk about it with me so like <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you know but, yeah we don't so, necessarily have access to this world right right it's important to know i think that this reminds me also of a quote that i saw somewhere in the last week or so uh, and i don't know who it's attributable to maybe it's mark twain mm-hmm. actually and I will probably get it wrong precisely, but it's 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 essentially it is easier to con a man than to convince a man that he's been conned. Yeah. And and that and I think that that's a little bit of what's happening here too, right? Like she's clearly questioning. She feels dissonance. She does. But she's misattributing it. Yes. Completely. Exactly. Like yes, question. Turn on those Senate hearings. Let's watch the yeah. House hearings. You know, it's not the Senate, the House. But, you know, like, there's some evidence for you. There's some, there's pointing you in the direction of some actual truth. Yeah. You know. But that's, but yeah. I, I, hmm, that's hard. That's rough. It's really rough. It's really rough. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. <sighs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Another feel-good moment on the Misfit Stars podcast. Woo-hoo! Yeah. I do have a dramatically less depressing Let's Get Less Dumb. Oh, please. Yes. Please. We'll redeem it. We'll redeem the segments. All right. And this is just something that's interesting. Okay. So people are probably starting to understand that I subscribe to a lot of very wonky, nerdy emails. Yeah. Yeah. We know know you're a nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. And so there's this guy, he's got a fantastical name. I thought it was like some weird alias at first, but Mm -hmm. it's apparently just his real name. I guess he's from Germany. His name is Clone Kitchen. Oh, K-L-O-N is his first name. Okay. Kitchen, spelled K-I-T-C-H-E-N, is his last name. All right. It's his real name. I don't have any other explanation for it than that, other than just like people in different countries speak the language, a language that's not ours, and, and they name people things that sound funny to us. That's right. I'm sure over there it's like Peter Jenkins. Right. 
But to us, it's like clone kitchen. <laughs> it's just like it's like an adult swim and, show or something. And you're in middle school. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. clone kitchen. What does clone kitchen do? So he is uh he is He's an interesting person. I came to him through this other newsletter I get, which is the Daily Dispatch. It's a conservative newsletter, mm -hmm. but not like asshole modern Republican MAGA conservative, like older, old school conservatives, like people who are just what they would describe, I think, as well-intentioned conservatives. I think that a lot of their points of view on things are somewhere between horseshit and morally reprehensible. Right. But they're not coming at these views in bad faith, and that's something, and it's important to have a wide, you know, a, a broad media, you know, sure. intake. And, I get it. And so I do that. Um, it's important to me anyway, just to know how people who don't think how I think about things are thinking about current events. Yeah. Because sometimes the perspective can be enlightening, if only to reinforce why I think what I think about my own position. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? But you're checking yourself. Yep. Yeah. You got to check yourself, you know? And every so often I actually learn something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not perfect and, and liberalism isn't either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... This guy comes from that world, but he comes from a much wonkier, much less political side of it, which is uh, security and intelligence. Okay. Like, he comes from the intelligence world. Okay. And those are his areas of expertise. Like CIA. Yes, precisely. Okay. Yes. Um, so, he just does a little explainer in his newsletter uh, this, this week, and uh, he defines what, what does intelligence mean? Because you hear it all the time. Oh, Okay. You know? Like spying, spy work. Well, that's maybe what you think of it. Okay. Other people might think something else. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, but we're not talking about intelligence like how smart a person is. No, we're not. Right. Okay. That's no. what I'm trying to we're say. We're talking like, about it in context of, of like his, his career. Okay. Yeah. So what is it? So uh, he says, I like this definition of, it, of intelligence from the CIA. Okay. Reduced to its simplest terms, intelligence is knowledge and foreknowledge of the world around us. The prelude to decisions and action by U.S. policymakers. Okay. Interesting, right? So he unpacks it. Okay. And I'm just going to read from his newsletter here. He says, there are three parts of this definition that are important to understand. Knowledge, foreknowledge, and decisions and actions. Intelligence is about more than just having facts and data. It's about understanding these in context. It's focused on understanding not just what's happening, but also why it's happening. This is the kind of knowledge the intelligence community is looking for about the world. But this isn't knowledge for knowledge's sake. The intelligence community must also be able to anticipate how the world is changing at the micro, mezzo, and macro levels. <laughs> so micro and macro, I'm sure we all know, kind of micro is zoomed in, macro is zoomed out, mezzo's in the middle. Sure. It needs to look around the corner, quote-unquote, and reliably inform policymakers of what they can expect next. That's a critical function of knowledge in an intelligence context, is it being able to provide context to look around the corner and inform policymakers of what's coming. That's the kind of foreknowledge that we're talking about. So when people say foreknowledge, that's what it means. Using the data you've collected to make reasonable, hopefully very accurate guesses about what's coming so, uh, all I'm thinking right now is Tom Cruise movie Minority Report. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yep. So, he says, finally, intelligence uses this knowledge and foreknowledge toward a specific end, enabling policymakers to make informed decisions and actions. Knowing about and predicting world events is fine, but intelligence is about using these insights to shape these events to the advantage of the United States and its interests. Mm -hmm. So, if you can see what's coming, you can also influence it right. and bend it more toward how you would like it to go, mm. right? Mm. And he says, "Do we have, <laughs> do we have good intentions? <laughs> no, no, probably not a lot of the time. Realistically speaking, right. we're, we're an empire, right? You know yeah. what I mean? That's not good." Uh, but he says this last bit, the bit about using the insights to shape these events to the advantage of the U.S. That's what makes the intelligence community different from, say, CNN. He continues, while major news services typically value accuracy, and I'm drawing a distinction here, he says, between traditional news reporting and the far more popular but less fact-driven opinion news. Mm -hmm. The 24-hour news cycle incentivizes coverage that is often incomplete, without context, and frequently wrong. 
Reporters and editors can be okay with this, though, because the reporting can always be updated or corrected later. What matters most in this moment is being first to the story, right. especially like in a click-driven, ad-driven economy, yeah. right? He says, intelligence cannot and does not operate that way. Policymakers and other consumers of intelligence use it to make real decisions, frequently decisions involving matters of life and death. This means the intelligence community must have higher standards of reporting and must be crystal clear in drawing distinctions between what we know, what we do not know, what we assess, and what is possible. This can sometimes be frustrating for consumers who hear a story on NPR on the way to work, but are then told by the intelligence community that we're still gathering information. Mm. This creates a constant tension on the intelligence community as it strives to be both timely and accurate across a huge spectrum of intelligence issues. Interesting. I just thought that was all very interesting. Yeah. Like, functionally speaking, what does intelligence mean to the intelligence community? Hmm. Yeah. Neat. 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 Spy stuff. Spy stuff. I will put a link to this person's newsletter also uh, in the in the podcast notes, show notes, in case anyone's curious about it. Uh, I find his writing fascinating. He's always just talking about spy shit. That's, that's <laughs> like his thing, kind of, you know? But sometimes, like, spy shit is, like, really mundane and has to do with, like, corporate, corporate espionage or, you know? There, I imagine most of it is pretty mundane. A lot of it is yeah. more interesting than you might imagine. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for making us a little less dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we need to set up a situation whereby you might get a gold star. <gasps> yeah, I would like to ask for a gold star. Uh, we have a new song. Yeah. It's a heater. Yes, which we're debuting on the podcast. Um, and we're kind of taking a bit of a leap of faith because we think it's done. <laughs> it hasn't been released to the world yet as of this recording. Pretty sure we might do that later tonight. But we're pretty sure it's going to be later done later today. So we're taking a leap of faith uh, that all that's going to happen. Nonetheless, you're going to hear it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, whether it's been released to the world or not. So here we go. Um, this new song is the ninth in our new album project. Nine out of ten. Um, I can't believe that I'm saying that we're one song away from being done. It's really cool. Song nine is called Serenity. And uh, it is not a serene sounding song. <laughs> no, it's a kick-ass song. It doesn't sound unserene. But there's but there's a point in that. There's a point. There's a point. Because the point of this song, like as I was going through my 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 uh, sort of sketched out outline for this album and coming up with journal questions for myself for this song. It really kind of was what we've gone through all of these other steps of like how to cultivate peace of mind and how to grab hold of our agency during difficult times, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've been through the just the 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 nitty gritty of all that, you know, for the last eight songs before this. But the topic that I felt like I wanted to explore with this step is okay. Now I've got all these tools. What do I, you know? What is that going to look like for me, practically speaking, going forward in my life, mm -hmm. you know? And as I was exploring uh, this idea, I came across, uh, actually making it, I made a note because I'd, I'd come across this, this a tweet months ago and I'm like, this is interesting. I'm putting a pin in this and I'm going to slot it in here for step nine and revisit. And it was exactly what I needed for this moment. I it, love that it, you Freudians flipped a step nine just now. Oh, oh, hey, wow. Song nine, really? Totally song nine. Yeah. But it's this the ninth step of our journey here, yeah. is, is what I meant to say. So, so this tweet that I saw months ago was somebody describing um, a, a story she had seen of a monk, a, a, a person who was, was doing, was a monk in training in India. And uh, I put the pin in this and I, so I went back and I was like, okay, I got to find that tweet. I didn't actually find, like save the link to the tweet. So I had to go searching for it and mm. I miraculously found it. And it turns out she was uh, referencing uh, a clip on The Daily Show, an interview with Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah was interviewing this man named Jay Shetty. And I, when I saw Jay Shetty's photograph or him on the video, I'm like, oh, I've seen that guy. Like, I mm. recognize him around. He He's really popular in the space of meditation. I think he's affiliated with the, the Calm app that you can get on your phone for, uh. like, helping you meditate. Um, 
he is no longer living a monastic life, but he did train to become a monk. And so I watched the the this interview with Trevor Noah on the Daily Show with Jay Shetty. And he shared the story that, that I was originally I originally read in this tweet thread months ago, which is just fascinating. He he was talking about how he was in India for monk training. And they were going, he and his his teacher and his other um, monks in training, fellow fellow monks in training, were on a on a train. They were taking a. Seven- they call them monkeys. Monkey, <laughs> monkettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they were they were going to be going on a seventeen hour long train ride, and he described how uh, when you are pursuing the monastic life, you don't buy a train ticket in first class. You buy a train ticket in the least class available, like the 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 lowest class available on the train. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they were riding in a car that was absolutely packed full of people. There were people, there were animals. It was loud, it was smelly, it was chaotic. Just like, you know, just, it was humanity on that train, mm-hmm. right? And at each of the stops, he would get off at the stop and go find a, a peaceful place at the stop to meditate. And then he'd get back on the train. And after one of those stops, his teacher asked him, why do you keep getting off at the stops? And he explained, well, I could, I go and I'm finding a peaceful place to meditate before we resume our train travel. And the teacher asked him, uh, how do you think life is, what, what do you think life is like? Is it like the train or is it like the stops? And Jay's response was, life is like the train. Like, of course. Yeah. That, that you need to be able to find that moment you need to, like in his case, it was meditation, right? He needed to be able to meditate in the midst of real life and not escape from real life mm-hmm. in order to do it. And it, what struck me—that's what he had to learn. That was what, his like learning process. Exactly. Yes, yeah. and that 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 applies to me in my journey in this album project too. Mm. You know, um, that you know it, we we often talk in sort of popular culture about you know. To find peace, you've got to escape. You've got to go on vacation. You've got to go to the spa. Mm. You've got to take a self-care day, you know, <laughs> which all of which are great things. I'm not knocking any of that stuff, no, that's right? That's good. That's good. But that's not real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's only, these tools are really only good for me if I can use them in the midst of real life yeah. on the train. And as I was thinking about the the train metaphor too, that like I was thinking about how like if I constantly have to find an escape hatch in order to keep my peace of mind, I'm never I'm never I'm never I'm not going to be participating in life or moving forward on the track. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I I want to be part of of make I, I want to make my life what I want it to be. I want to be part of making the world what I think it can be. You know what I mean? And if I'm constantly taking an escape hatch to go get peace, I'm not part of that. Yeah, right. I can't be, right? Like I'm removing myself from the process. And so this song is really just about that. And it came also, and I want to just add one more thing before we play the song. This idea that I was grappling with, the idea of being in the midst of real life, uh, and the, the process of writing the song came right during a period of time in which um, we we witnessed that white supremacist shooting in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And literally a week later, before even the funerals for those people who died in Buffalo had happened, we had the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Mm-hmm. And those are just gun violence tragedies we're talking about, not to mention all the other tragedies that stacked on top of each other. Like, stuff comes at us all the time. Yeah. Like, just because I have this new set of tools doesn't mean that, like, I get to now, in an orderly fashion, use them to, yeah. <laughs> to you know, work through stuff. Shit keeps hitting the fan, you mm-hmm. know? Like, and, and so, it, like, it was a really tangible example of the fact that I have to be able to grab hold of these tools I have for myself to cultivate peace of mind within myself and grab a hold of my agency while this while while the world keeps turning and this and, and horrible stuff keeps happening mm-hmm. because it's going to keep happening and it's in the midst of that 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 we've got to learn how to how to do those good things for ourselves. Yeah. Does it make sense? Hundred percent. So that's that's where the song Serenity comes from, and 
Shall we play it for our folks now? It's really hard. Yeah. Love it. That cool. chorus, it's like a ton of bricks. Like, bam! <laughs> you know? So what do you think? Can I have a gold star? Absolutely, you can have a gold star. Thank you. Yeah, I like that you just went right to it. You're like, yeah, yeah, enough chit-chat. <laughs> How about the star, pal? <laughs> yeah, 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 lady, you can have a star, Jesus. Ching, ching, ching. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I want to uh, actually request a gold star too today. Oh, oh pff, go for it. Let's hear it. I finished wiring the electrical to the deck. Oh, man. It's just done. It's in conduit. Why don't you describe okay, it? You know, I feel like I should describe okay. it because I I stand in awe. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you get a gold star, but like so much, accol- so many accolades uh. for your work. Like, y'all, Jamie, we, we, I think we mentioned already that he like learned about electrical wiring online. <laughs> Like, Not sketchy, which is cool. But from what he learned, 
made a schematic of the whole layout of how to get electricity out to our deck. And it's not just one little it's, outlet. It's no, a series of different stations. It's many. There, there are four different boxes with lots of different functions. Some are switched. Some are one box right. is a switch controlling another box switch. And it's another outlet, another box. It's, it's, it's this whole thing. all very complex. But he made the schematic. He showed it to our neighbor who is a master electrician. She looked at it and she's like, this is perfect. This is perfect. And I have third year apprentices that couldn't have done as good a job as you just did. <laughs> like she had one suggestion for you to make it like a tiny bit more foolproof. Yep. But like, uh, honestly, you had done it. You did it. So this, from the scheme, you were like on it, right? This last week, Jamie executed all of it. Like it's done. We have like power. Like the physical building part of we it. We have power to our deck now and it all works beautifully and it looks amazing and it's all done to code. And I did it all to code. Like it's just, it's honestly like- And it's all remote controllable from inside the house. It's so freaking impressive. <laughs> like it's so impressive. You deserve all the gold stars. Like it is- so great. Aw, thank you. So great. And you have set us up for like a summer of primo deck hanging. It's so good. Like Man, that's the yeah, hope. Yeah. That's the hope, <laughs> you know? It's really good. Thank you, know, you. It's nice to be able to have a couple summers at home while we can't tour. And it's good because it's encouraging us to nest a little bit. You it's know good. what I mean? And really like Shannon and I don't do a lot of vacationing. Like we have done so much traveling in our lives that it doesn't, usually sound very relaxing to us. Like, And also, like, we don't travel in a relaxing way. We're not like, let's go to Hawaii and just lie around <laughs> somewhere for a week, people. I'm sure that seems like a good idea, but it's also not my speed. If I got over there, I'd be like, let's explore everything, and i come home exhausted. We always come home from trips exhausted because we're adventurous but mm -hmm. at heart, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about actually relaxing, I just think about, like, what if we just walked outside to the deck and sat on it and read for, like, seven or eight hours? Mm-hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. could even have a meal out there, you we know? Yeah. And so I'm just trying to like optimize our, our outdoor hang situation. I really appreciate it. And the amazing thing about it is that because we did it ourselves, uh, like what would have been minimally, Elena said, a $1,200 job to have a contractor you do. Saved, we saved so much money. I saved easily $1,000. It yeah. was just parts. All I had to pay for was parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Some wire, some just some conduit, some this and that. DIY, baby. DIY. All right, cool. So uh, this feels important. Please hold for a very important message. Yeah, you know, this does feel important. And I don't even know that we need to spend a whole lot of time on this, but... Uh, you and I have watched the first two hearings of the January 6th committee, uh, the House the House January 6th committee that's investigating the, the attack on the Capitol. Yeah. The first one was last week. Um, I watched it the same day. You had to delay. So we watched it together this past weekend. And then we yeah. watched the last Mondays on Monday evening. Um, and if you're not, we don't have TV at our house. So like we're just pulling them up on YouTube. All of the major news stations, if you, if you haven't seen the hearings, just go to YouTube and search yeah. January 6th hearing. and Followed by the name of your favorite station whose anchors you like. Yeah, or C-SPAN or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's all there. You can see it all. We have watched both um, that way on YouTube. And oh my gosh. Wow. First of all, yeah. first of all, every single American needs to watch these. Yeah. Every single American needs to be watching these. I follow this, I, I, I follow... I have followed this this story the about the insurrection and also more generally speaking, I have followed the shit show around Donald Trump yeah. forever. Like I, I keep up with this kind of news every single day. You know, um, I, I, I'm pretty, I, I'm on the spectrum of like, very knowledgeable back down to like completely ignorant of what's happening. I'm way more on the very knowledgeable side, I think. Yep. Because because of how much I read. And you too. Same. I'm learning new stuff in yeah. these hearings. What, what it feels like to me is uh, there's new, first of all, there's new stuff, but there's also a bunch of puzzle pieces that had been laying out on the table that I had known that are finding finding their spot in the puzzle. Like yeah. it's like, oh, that fits in here. And oh, that fits in here. And oh, here's this new piece that they brought to the hearing that yeah. fits right in the middle of, of it all and makes it all make sense. Yeah. Like it's really painting a full picture. A very clear and easy to follow picture also. Yes, it is not 
technical no. at all. It's so easy to, they're doing a great job in terms of their presentation. Also, the tone of it is so good. As part of the presentation, mm -hmm. you know, because anyone who's used to watching like televised hearings over the past like decade, they're mostly Republicans being assholes. Like think about Benghazi. Oh it was just all yelling all the time. Right. You know what Posturing I mean? Posturing to get sound clips on Fox News. Yeah. It was really terrible to watch. It was really unpleasant. This is just people being thoughtful and kind, including to witnesses who like are not on the same side of things as them, but like everyone's just cordial and kind and thoughtful mm -hmm. and intelligent and they're laying things out in a methodical, easy to understand way and they're doing so, you know, kindly. Mm -hmm. And it's just lovely to watch. It's like being in a really cool college course with a professor you like. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And what we're learning is... And we're only two hearings into what they're doing. They've planned seven hearings so far. Is that correct? Something like that? Mm -hmm. What we're learning is that, and, and, and they keep coming home to this point over and over and over and over again. Uh, yes, there was an attack on, the, a physical violent attack on the Capitol building itself on January 6th. Yeah. But what they have, that what they're going to great pains to show with, mountains of evidence that they're showing us that they're showing us in these hearings is that that attack was the last desperate step and the culmination of a months long plan or plot by Donald Trump himself to overturn a free and fair election and overthrow the government and overthrow the government in order to stay in power it was a months long coup attempt yes and there is just, I mean, even, even two hearings in, there's just, you cannot watch these hearings and see this evidence. And when I say see the evidence, like they're showing videotape testimony from some of Trump's closest advisors, his campaign manager, his, uh, his attorney general. His All of the witnesses are Republicans so far. Literally every single witness mm -hmm. we've seen over the first two days, four and a half or whatever hours mm -hmm. of testimony, it's been 100% Republicans. Right. It's all people who worked with and for Donald Trump. Right. And they are sharing their experiences and the, which corroborate other people's experiences. And there's texts and emails that are in there too that all corroborate each other. Like it's not just he said, she said. It's, it's corroborated evidence. It's all receipts. Yes. All receipts. Exactly. They've got all the receipts. All the receipts say Donald Trump had been, had been plotting to overthrow the government since before the election even happened. He's, Laying the groundwork in case he didn't win the election, exactly, this is his plan B. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's astonishing. And I hope that we've convinced you to go watch those hearings. Like, make yourself an appointment. To, they're, they're Roughly, they're about two hours long each. So watch it instead of a movie on the nights that they're on. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is your job as a citizen right now. Totally, Do your homework. Totally. It's really important to know what's happening. And I think, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I personally did not need to be convinced that Donald Trump was attempting a coup in no. 2021. We watched it happen. We know. I, I know. I know that. So I'm not like watching this with the need to have my mind changed or anything like that. I hope that some people who are watching, <laughs> although I the go back- The people who need to watch it won't. I go back to the Mark Twain quote that, mm -hmm. you know, it's easier to con a man than to convince them they've been conned. People who have believed the big lie- uh, that Donald Trump peddled about losing, about having the election stolen from him, mm -hmm. probably won't change their mind. I don't know. But I think it's important for the rest of us to know the details. Because yes. like, it, when, when, you're, when you find yourself in conversation with somebody who's wanting to say, well, the election was stolen or whatever, like, if you don't, if you haven't seen the evidence, it might be, you might not feel as confident being like, no, it wasn't stolen. You know, like you might, you might like waffle a little bit. Like, well, maybe uh, something yeah. people say a lot, including well-meaning people on our side of the political fence, mm -hmm. is that well, maybe Donald Trump. I think that Donald Trump really did genuinely believe that the election was stolen, and you know. I appreciate the charitable impulse to let somebody off the hook, but after having watched even just the first two days of this, <laughs> yeah. it's 100% clear that he 100% knew and was told by many, many, many people, all of whom testified mm -hmm. in video testimony that I've seen with my own eyes, that they told him multiple times personally and directly that there was absolutely no chance that the election was fraudulent, that there was any amount of voter fraud uh, sufficient to change any of the results in any of the states. And all 
these conspiracy theories that he kept floating and that his crazy team kept floating, every single one of them, people in his, the, the, the more responsible leaders in his inner circle were telling him, this is bullshit. Yeah. It is nonsense. Stop it. Yeah. Like he over knew. Over and over and over. He and knew. they have testified. So he definitely knew. He 100% knew exactly mm -hmm. what, what was true, doing. what was not true, and what he was doing. Yeah. So it's important. We're not going to spend our time breaking it down here. No, just go watch it. That, That's your job. Definitely go watch it. It is important and encourage everybody that you know to watch it too. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, can you pull us into the Inspiration Station? Inspiration Station. I've just got the shortest little thing that I read in my uh, AA Thought for the Day email that I get. Excellent. They have always three sections in the Thought for the Day. There's a, <laughs> there's a quote from some of the literature. You know, that's the first section. Usually something from the big book or the 12 and 12, you know. And then there is a, a thought to ponder. Mm -hmm. That's just a little takeaway, something to chew on. Yeah. And then there's, amusingly, an alkanym. Which is like, it's a, like an acronym, but for alcoholics. Right. And it's always some mangled acronym. It's always a dad joke. Of some well, kind. Or it's just like, that's not an, That's not something somebody would say. Like one of my favorite ones is frog. Yeah. Fully rely on God. <laughs> like who says frog? No one says frog. What are you talking about? It's yeah. just you took four words and then it's like that spells frog. Yeah, totally. It's like you don't understand what an acronym is. Yeah. That's actually, there's a word for that. It's backronym. Oh. Backronym is when you reverse engineer oh. an acronym out of something that you want to put words together for. Look at that. Yeah. I just got less dumb. Hey. Okay. But the thought to ponder is okay. what I'm focusing on today. And it's just two lines, but it was super deep to me. Great. And it's apropos of the, uh, like, it's sort of like part of what you're talking about, about serenity. Like, yeah. part of serenity for people who have 12 steppy types of issues in their lives mm -hmm. is you've got to keep really short accounts with other people and also with yourself. And mm. what that really looks like, like where the rubber meets the road with that, is like when you just, if you've done something wrong, you just immediately admit it and mm -hmm. you just make amends to it, you know? It's yeah. like you got to kind of tell on yourself yeah. sometimes. You yeah. got to kind of be like, I did this thing. I'm sorry I did it. Can I make it better somehow? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And the thought to ponder is sort of in that quadrant of things. And I just thought it was wonderful. Humility is telling the truth about yourself. Humiliation is when someone else does it for you. Ooh. 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 Deep, right? That is deep. So deep. Because like the same thing can happen. Like if, if you're holding a secret, if someone else rats you out, that's humiliating as shit. Yeah. But if you have the strength to come clean about it publicly mm -hmm. to whomever the public might need to be, like it could be one person, could mm -hmm. be but online, it doesn't, you know, whatever. Right. Like then that's empowering. Right. It's just a question of where does the power lie? Wow. Like, and where, where is, where is, where is, as, as a, what's the, where is, what is our secrets? Oh my God, I'm having aphasia. This is, this sucks. Um, Anyway, our secrets are what kill us. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's the point. Right. Uh, and I can't believe I can't remember that quote. Like, A is full of quotes. We're supposed to remember all of them. And I just like forgot a <laughs> quote. Okay. We're as sick as our secrets. That's oh, what the quote that's is. That's right, yeah. of course. You know? And so if you keep secrets, like, and then someone yeah. else rats you out, very sick feeling to you. Yeah. But if you tell on yourself it's empowering and you it's feel actually better. Healing. The difference between humiliation and humility. Wonderful. Wow. That was really good. I like yeah. that. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it would be appropriate for us to wrap things up today with a gratitude crank up. What you got? I'm feeling grateful today for our home. That's nice. Mine's related. I just, you know, um, it astonishes me uh, that we get to be homeowners. Like, it, it, honestly, like it feels, it feels like a a miracle that yeah. that 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 happened for us. Yeah, and I'm daily grateful for it. But I'm feeling especially especially grateful for it today. Like you know, the projects we've been doing in the backyard, like to to be in a place where we can we can do fun projects and put our stamp on it and make it our place even more than it already is. Like, it's just, it really makes me feel lovely inside. Hmm. Um, and so I'm really grateful for our home. How about you? I'm grateful today for our neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, it's had a really nice just sort of neighborhoody moment this afternoon where like, 
out on the back alley because that's where our garage is and sometimes when we're doing projects it's you know there's stuff in the garage that we use there's there's not one but two sober houses across the alley from us mm-hmm. you know uh and i was just well, out on the back alley just having a sober conversation with a, mm-hmm. a couple of sober guys over there mm-hmm. you know they're all newcomers it's, it's that's the nature of a sober, a sober, sober house. house is like it's people with short amounts of sober time it's like a transitional thing you know it's mm-hmm. amazing it's an amazing resource it's a place where you can live surrounded by sobriety it's mandatory you got to do uh five meetings a week and a sponsor meeting every week mm. uh, to live there. You got to keep up on your chores or structure, you yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. wonderful and it's all oriented around sobriety. And there's a bunch of sober guys there that you can just like bond with and just like talk sober talk with. It's right. it's a great situation, you know, so I got to have a conversation back there with my sober neighbors and then came out front, uh, I was around the side of the house working on something and as I came outside of the house, there were some neighbors from across the street, one of them with a new girlfriend, got to meet the girlfriend, talk with the neighbors, including a daughter who's moved away, it was nice to see her and then a couple other neighbors, a na- neighbor came walking down the street with like his two kids they came into our backyard and we all shot hoops and chatted for like half an hour (laughs) it was just a really great just neighborhood vibe yeah you know i feel really grateful that we landed in a place that's just so welcoming and Mm -hmm. so full of neat people Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool you all we're grateful for you too that's true thank you so much for listening today for spending a little bit of your day with us um i hope this time has been nice for you yeah. It's been good for me. Yeah, me too. Um, and thank you also. We are very grateful, as always, to our Misfit Stars supporting members. These are the folks who each of them make a small dollar monthly contribution to this Misfit Stars project. The average amount is 10 bucks a month. Yeah. and Some all, people do five, some do 20. It averages out. All of the stuff that we do is funded by that group of people in that yeah. crowdfunded kind of way. This podcast, this new album we're making, the mentorship that Jamie does a ton of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much stuff that's happening because of the support of our Misfit Stars. So thank you so much, Misfit Stars. We are daily grateful for you. Yep. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are not um, what, among that group of people who is supporting us monthly, but you're like, you know what? I really do actually value what Jamie and Shannon are doing and I'm ready to put my money where my mouth is. Welcome. Yeah. We would welcome you. You go to misfitstars.com slash support. Mm-hmm. Choose the amount that works for you. And, uh, and thank you so much. Um, anything else? Burning desire, Jamie? No, feeling good about stuff. Feeling like we did what you came here to do. Okay, good. Yeah, how about you? We'll be back again next week. I'm good. We'll be back next week with more. And uh, until then, I just hope that y'all will take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.